All right. We are live. Hey, we're live. And distant. And distant. And COVID protected. That is right. <laughs> We're bringing a special podcast and um, uh, YouTube edition and a live edition to this. Um, All things today. Hopefully you guys can hear, can hear us well. Uh, we have a few of you now watching. Hello, hello. If you guys have any questions or uh, comments that you'd like us to, to, to talk about, because today we're talking about uh, what we're calling breaking the pattern. This is a, a common thing. That, um, that, you know, we as humans, we go through from depression, anxiety, etc. I'm going to first say that we're trying to stay as safe as possible with things, saying socially distanced. We are going to, um, the camera is kind of far away from us. So if you guys hear the rain in the background, we apologize for that. Um, but um, if, you know, hopefully you guys can hear us pretty well as the camera tries to pick up or the microphone tries to pick it up. But we're bringing you this horse, horse and Home podcast uh, right from my own farm, my own barn here. My horse, Pie, in the background doesn't want to make a cameo appearance just yet. <laughs> but um, my name's Scott Purdom. My friend here, Nathan Gist. Nathan, Nathan Gist. Nathan has done a lot of podcasts with me. We have done uh, many, we've done many uh, uh, sessions together with, with trying to help people overcome fear, anxiety, and so forth. And we thought, what an awesome opportunity to work on getting over breaking the pattern. Guys, I just came back from a clinic in California um, just, uh, you know, just a little bit ago. And what's really interesting is, is watching the pattern. So many people are having you know, these anxiety issues or these fear issues that, that we need to literally break the pattern that they have. And it's very difficult. Yeah. It's not an easy thing. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that. And if you guys have stories or you have questions, here's the time to write in. We can see your questions. We can see kind of who's watching. Um, feel free, write in at any time. So let's kind of roll uh, forward and uh, um, get ready with this breaking the pattern type of thing. So Nathan. Yes, sir. I, um, I wrote down some things that we wanted to talk about. But as I kind of get to these things, um, what are some common things you see with people, with, with clients that you deal with, with, um, you know, with people that come in with fear or anxiety? What are some common things you would see with them? Yeah, so one of the very first things I've noticed with most folks, it's the question I have with every single client that I work with. And as they're talking about the situation that they're in, whether it's you know, uh, overcoming fear of getting on the, back in the saddle again or recovering from a, a fall or anything from like weight loss to, you know, breaking free of old patterns in the past, one of the first things I ask them is, what would life look like if this wasn't, when this is not an issue anymore? And for some people, all of a sudden they say, oh, I'd feel more confident, I'd feel this, I'd do this, like there's certain goals that they already have in place already. For some folks though, they say the phrase, I can't even imagine. Now, what's interesting about that is that that's not just a phrase. For some people, that's a literal truth. They cannot imagine anything outside of the situation that they're in. 
And so one of the very first things in the beginning is having that conversation with them and saying, okay, we need to start dreaming because you can never hit a target when you don't even know where to aim. And so as we're going through that process, beginning with pattern interruption number one, being able to see past where you are right now to a future that's full of possibilities, capabilities, and whatever you're looking for in life. So I actually wanted to back up a little bit there. Something you were talking about, when you ask people that, what would it feel like? And they say, some either say, I can't even imagine, or they can say, I, feel, I would feel so confident. Right. Do you see a different, like an immediate change in their physical state? Yeah. Well, and see, one of the things you notice too, even that right there, the physical state, you look at somebody in the conversation because because of what I do for Confident Equestrian, lots of it's through Zoom. Like we're working for people all over the country, all over the world, that type of thing. And so with that, even there in the Zoom, you can see somebody, the physical look when somebody's talking about an issue begins to collapse in. Again, that's how, kind of how the body operates. And when somebody starts to talk about it, the body has to be in alignment, right? Mind and body, people talk about it as two things. It's, it's one, like your brain doesn't stop here. Yeah. It runs all the way through your neurological system, head to toe, every single part of you. Some people, I wonder where the brain starts. <laughs> right. Some people, it might be in different places. But anyways, <laughs> one of the things to get from that, too, is when somebody starts talking about the positive side. Oh, it's going to look like this. I'll feel more freedom. I'll be, have that connection with my horse once again. All of a sudden, you'll notice them either shifting and adjusting in their seat or their shoulders will come back a little bit or even the tonality of the voice will change. Because it has to be in alignment. You know, it's so true. You know, we talk about, you know, a, a power pose in a sense. Like, how, yeah. can you, how can you solve these issues? What Nathan's even trying to say here with this is, again, how the mind and body are connected in such that when you talk in such a way or you think in such a way, your body will follow, right? Do you generally see the most excited person in the world sitting here slumped over like this talking? Right, or right. do you see them excited in this manner? Yep. So that physical state is something that you can actually use in reverse. So instead of using the words to try to change the physical state, sometimes you can just cha physically change that you state. You use your by neurology, right? You use your body. body. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, took the words right out of my mouth, Nathan. <laughs> um, and so being able to, to change that pose, literally one thing that, that uh, uh, one great tip that can be a takeaway here is recognizing that pose and that power pose. Yep. Um, Nathan talks about it. I talk about it. I think it's really important is to almost kind of get that, that uh, you know, chest out, back up, uh, head and neck up. You know, heck, be a little snobby. Be a little brown nose and pick that <laughs> nose up and... and really be able to try to empower yourself from within a pose. So literally you hold that pose for what? Two minutes about, right? About. Yeah, you can do, yeah, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it might be. For some folks, if you're- 20, do, 20, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do what you gotta do. Because it kind of like what you're saying too, I, I joke with folks, it's like, uh, because it has to be in alignment, I wouldn't be looking at you thinking, wow, this is an amazing day. I just, I feel so happy, <laughs> like, or boy, I feel like crap today. Right? Yeah. Like, it does not align. And so utilizing that, and one thing you can do too, not only is it utilizing the, the, the power pose that we're talking about, but also recognizing and creating that awareness within yourself when you are collapsing in. Right. And so if you notice that, or you can see it, right, open up, just like you said, shoulders back, head up. I mean, Think of Wonder Woman or think of Superman. How do they stand? What do they do? Yeah. And it you, really you ties it in. You do a really great Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, you, thanks. You know, 
Um, but, you know, it's, before, we, before we move on, I see a lot of people have joined in a bit more on Facebook. Hey, if you're just joining in and you guys have a question, we're talking today about trying to help overcome a lot of common riding issues and, heck, just life issues from yeah. the perspective of, you know, how to deal with depression, anxiety, um, fears, etc. Um, if there's something you guys have questions about, please feel free to write in in the chat here and, uh, and, and ask away. So, um, <laughs> as one person just said, or the Captain Morgan pose. <laughs> I like that. I know that woman and I know why she said that. <laughs> um, but her and I's views align the same. <laughs> so, at any rate, um, so yeah, if you're just getting on here, uh, feel free to, to put in the chat section if you have any questions. Like I said, uh, this is, you may hear the rain in the background. Hopefully you guys can hear, hear us. Uh, these mics are for our podcast, and we will be actually putting this on uh, an additional onto YouTube. So you'll have many different ways of watching this uh, over again. But with that being said, I do want to go back to communication patterns. Okay. Because one of the things we, we just talked about, kind of the power pose in a sense, but, you know, it's not always just um, uh, what you say, it's how you say it as well. Very true. Right? So you talked about tonality. Tonality is important too from the, from the same perspective of saying, you know, I'm really happy today. <laughs> I think this is wonderful. Tonality changes everything. And tonality is not just, doesn't just align with you as a person. It aligns with how you, you communicate best with your horse too. And so I think that's really important to talk about is that communication pattern. So um, what kind of advice would you give someone to, to maybe change that, interrupt their communication pattern? Yeah, so there's a couple of things with that. Um, it makes me think about years ago, I was at a, uh, it, was, it was a workshop, it was uh, different radio stations, working with about five different radio stations. And as they were, we're planning through and looking at different ways to connect and what we're supposed to do throughout the year. And one of the things that we found, was, I, I thought was pretty interesting, is that the entire thing was being recorded. Right. People would give their presentations. There would be the conversation that was happening afterwards and everything's recorded. However, there were certain times throughout that process that we needed to make it private or that was needed to be edited. And so what we would do in the middle of it, we'd have a con we'd say something or before we would do it, you'd yell out edit <laughs> and the microphone, then it's, it's picking it up. So we know that's going to be a time that you need to edit. And so what I love about that is if you take that same concept within your own thinking, if the conversation in your head is like, and I do this with my clients and as well, if the conversation in their head is, I can't do it, edit. Or all of a sudden in their mind, they're starting to see themselves falling off again, or they're replaying the accident that happened or the, the issue that showed up in the competition. Same thing, edit. And what happens is the forcefulness of that, right? You can either do that inside and outside. It doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. But as long as it is something that you're interrupting that pattern, and what happens is the reason for that is because that pattern is going over and over and over again. And it's usually played out the exact same way. Again, when a client comes in and talks with me, lots of times what I see is that they go into this whole conversation and story about why they are in this situation they're in. And about midway or maybe towards the end of it, I'll ask them, that's not the first time you've had this conversation, is it? And I'll usually get this, no. And it's probably not the first time you've said it in that exact order, is it? No. Nope. <laughs> so calling out an edit or respectfully pausing somebody in that situation 
makes a massive difference for interrupting that pattern. And I just thought of this, how we're going to know if people are not only listening to this podcast or listening to this live um, and, and utilizing the techniques that we're giving here. If I'm walking in Walmart one day and someone screams out, edit, <laughs> we'll know that it worked. Right. <laughs> so with that kind of in mind, here's the next thing with that, that generally speaking, as we think about anxiety overall, like if you, how many of you guys at home maybe have ever felt anxious when you were about to get on your horse or anxious before you go into a canter or, or anxious just thinking about your ride that day, anxiety or any, again, all these things, anxieties, fears, depressions, all these things, generally speaking, when you, when you think about them, they come with a, almost at a deeper meaning or, or it doesn't come from just when you say what you think is on the surface. For example, I'm afraid of cantering my horse or I'm afraid to get on. If you have anxiety for that, there's most likely a deeper sense of anxiety or deeper sense of uh, if you're, you're feeling, and I don't want to use a clinical term depression, but for lack of better words right now, we'll use it. But if you're feeling this way, there's usually something deeper to that. Would you agree? Yeah, very much so. Uh, and I find that a lot, again, lots of my clients that I have conversations with, sometimes they'll come in and say, hey, here's the problem. Here's the issue. Here's where it started. And I look at them, I'm like, maybe, <laughs> right? Because I deal and I work with a lot for the subconscious mind as well. And so with that, again, it can tie into lots of different areas of life. And the interesting thing too, is that when you're doing those interrupts, when you're doing those changing of conversations, when all of these other things begin to apply into the life, all of a sudden people start seeing differences in other aspects of life. Hey, my relationship started to change, the way I feel at work or my confidence. And the reason for that is because all of this stuff ties in together. Like if you think about the way that the brain's wired in the first place, right? Like every single neurosynapse, every single one of those things that are connected to each other, about 60 to 80,000 are connected to just one. And so what happens with the brain is that it opens up all of these other areas. It begins to spill over into other things. And so just considering that as you're going through the process, it's not just your identity in one situation of I'm just having this problem with writing. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it shows up in other aspects of life as well. And the reason for that is it's beyond a situational thing. It becomes a, an identity of I can't or I'm not good enough or whatever that story is. And again, once you begin to interrupt those patterns, it shows up in many different aspects of life. So kind of segues really well into, oh, we just had a question here and I lost it. Okay, the question comes from a Peggy. I'm an older rider. It's very hard to read from this distance away. <laughs> I'm an older rider who finally got her, her heart horse, but I'm overthinking when I'm riding in the arena. I'm always questioning if I'm uh, giving the correct signals. Get too anxious, I know. Appreciate the info that you guys are sharing. That's not a question, actually. I thought it was. <laughs> um, however, I do, Peggy, uh, just a little plug here. We talk about the overthinking all the time, uh, so much so that there is, a, um, there is a t-shirt that is for sale that I think that every rider should have when they ride. It literally just says, I, wrote, I did this, don't overthink, just ride. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, is being able, to, um, being able to realize that. Would you agree? I agree. And a big part of the overthinking is it is a process. Uh, there's different stages in learning. 
Um, and I talk about that throughout my program for the Con Confident Equestrian program, confidentequestrian.com. There's my plug, too. <laughs> or we'll just bleep that out. Right. <laughs> Don't you edit that one. <laughs> edit. <laughs> That's the beauty of live. <laughs> and so there are different stages of learning. And one of those stages is, uh, or towards the end, I guess I'll just go through it. There's, uh, there's, un there's unconscious incompetence. And incompetence doesn't mean like, somebody's stupid or anything like that. It's just that you don't know. Basically, you don't know what you don't know. And then once you begin to realize that there are certain things that you don't know, then you have uh, um, unconscious... Well, I'm going to just completely mess this one up. <laughs> Come on, you're starting to do your... You're doing your own plug and you're messing it up now. <laughs> Come plug. on, I got another question here, so... You got another question? Well, yeah, but you're talking about the unconscious stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, what happens is that we are consciously... Uh, competent and whatever it is, right? And then eventually after that, you get unconscious competence. And so right now, if you're having that where you're thinking about it, you're doing the right things, but that you're thinking about it, that's that conscious competence. The level after that, after practice and the muscle memory and all that stuff kicks in, you have unconscious competence, which means that it's just something that you do. And so giving yourself time and trust in that process really does make a difference. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, next question we have here, in sales, again, sorry, it's hard to read from this this way. In sales, we are taught that when a conversation comes to a point of disagreement, we bring it back to the last point that we agreed upon. Can that be applied to writing and uh, take the training back to the point where we were last in sync with our horses? Um, hmm. Honestly, that in life, as you're already being taught for sales, in, in a sense, I think that's a great thing. You know that, of course, that, uh, that saying, agree to disagree, that's always, a, um, that's, that's always something that you should be able to do. Um, it, when you have a disagreement, though, coming back to a point of agreement is great for the horse's sake, so that way you're either ending on a good note. Um, but at the same time, think about even if you're having a conversation with a loved one, a spouse, if you continue down the same, the same path, the same negative path, do you think you're going to have a positive outcome? Or especially if you're blaming one another? Absolutely not. Bringing it back to something positive is always going to be, or something that was agreed upon, is always going to be your best bet, uh, at least in my experience. Yeah, and reconnect that rapport. Yeah. Right? And if that means that if you're having an issue with the horse, get off the horse and just start brushing it or giving a hug or talking to it, however you do when you're first establishing that connection, then yeah. go back to that point, absolutely. Yeah. And there's no point in trying to force anything because at a certain time, we all become defensive. Yeah. And no longer are we hearing anything that you're saying or trying to do. We're just from this position of, I don't want to get hurt anymore and I'm not going to let you through. Yeah. So going back and reestablishing that rapport, beautiful. So I want to take on for a moment here the question. We're just, I'm going to rein it back in kind of to what we were talking about with, with anxiety. And sometimes... This is not everyone what I'm going to, to kind of ask about or talk about here. This is, this is just some, sometimes we, we let some of our issues empower us, but not in a positive way. Uh, for example, sometimes our anxieties or, or, or possible, again, just using the word, depressions, whatever it may be, fears, sometimes we, um, we let them kind of be our excuse for not doing something. And 
sometimes we let that empower us, but in a negative way. Have you ever felt that way before, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, there's something called secondary gain that folks will get into, and I don't think anybody consciously does it, right? You've got a conscious mind, subconscious mind. And I don't think people are thinking, well, let's see. If I'm afraid to get on my horse, I get all this excess treatment and people take care of me, whatever the case is. I don't think that's the case, but yet there's always a reason for it. As a human being, the way, part of your, the way that your brain is wired is that we move towards pleasure and away from pain. Like that's, that's how it works. And so with that being the case, sometimes that secondary gain, being on that subconscious level, can kind of slip in there. Yeah. So, for example, I, I would work with um, I work with traders as well, right? Stock market, that kind of thing. And so, some of these traders, one of the things they realize is that sometimes when they have a bad day, right? Like everything just blows up, right? And it's been a really bad day. They'll go up to their their significant other and have a conversation. And well, that significant other might be like, you know what? It was a bad day. Let's go out to dinner. We'll take care. I'll t-, you know, they're really they take care of them. Yeah. And so deep back within that mind, <laughs> it might be thinking, you know what? I need a little extra attention. And it can begin to create something within that process that makes it not work for you. Absolutely. That's some messed up stuff. But it's one of the it's, things that happens. I was going to say, I, I don't think it's actually, it's, it's messed up if you, th- if you truly explain it, but that's really comes back to just in a sense, that's what we all look for is attention. Right. And so with that, we have to look at what is your brain trying to get you in that circumstance? But let's find something that works better for you than messing up your ride or your trade or going, you know, whatever the case is, whatever that thing is that you're trying to overcome. Yeah. Now, going back, I did m- then misunderstand Peggy's um, comment was a question. Okay. Um, but basically, you um, said she meant it as a question, as in help in. Uh, overcoming being anxious and how to get confidence. Uh, yeah. Um, but b- before, I think we could probably, Peggy, lead into that. I wanted to talk about something that kind of happens very frequently with this, and maybe you'll relate. So to kind of answer the question, it might be a little long-winded, but stick, stick around. Hopefully this kind of helps. <laughs> stick with me. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about something that I like, well, I like to refer to it as like the figure eight. It works well in the horse industry because that's what a lot of people do is a figure eight. But basically you have one side of this one circle that has kind of a very passive side that generally happens to be uh, things uh, such as depression, anxieties, fears, whatever. And and you get into this physical state that we talk about, and you stay there for a certain period of time, and then you get to a point where you get uh, the other side of the circle, which is a more active state, which you get angry, frustrated, and determined, and that you're going to get over this. You're like, I can't believe that I'm feeling this way. This is ridiculous. I'm getting over it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what happens is something doesn't go your way, and you get right back into the more passive side, which was the anxious, fearful, or depressed side, and then not too long from there, you get angry at it again and determined you decide to make a change for yourself. This is the figure eight you continue to go back into. Have you ever noticed people kind of going from that perspective? Yeah, you'll see folks. And, and again, that's the difference, right? I work a lot with the subconscious. The conscious mind, critical thinking, problem solving, that, that unconscious mind, it's, very, it's, uh, it's uh, emotional and it's behavioral. And so when somebody is trying to use willpower, they're very much in the conscious side of it, meaning they, 
can recognize, okay, I need to be in this, I need to be this, I need to be this. And then all of a sudden something happens and all of a sudden that subconscious goes, whoop, <laughs> and it pops up. And they go back into that old way of being. And like you said, it's this back and forth, back and forth. And so in the beginning, lots of times you're gonna find yourself doing that because you are literally rewiring your brain to think differently, your body to react differently. And so if you're finding yourself bouncing back to those different sides, one, congratulations, you're human. Yay. <laughs> right? Like, but catch yourself faster. That's a big part of this stuff. And as you recognize that you're doing this, you're moving over to that, that side, the dark side, right? Bring yourself back out of that. Utilize the different things that we talked about, right? And so go through those different patterns that interrupt it and begin to move into that right one. And that's kind of, that's, that's what I wanted to, to get with that was, was when you get into that thing, Nathan's hitting a nail right on the head, interrupting the pattern, which is essentially the sole conversation piece here, breaking the pattern, interrupting it in such a way. So I wanted to give, I wanted to give you a little bit of some tangible things that can truly interrupt that pattern because when you get into it, it's hard as heck to get out of it. Trust me, I know. I am not an anxious person, but Nathan helped me overcome um, a, a, or get much better. It's, not, it's a, you know, I always try and tell people this about the mind, you know. Um, it's not a one and done thing, right? I, I like to think of like understanding your mind as a, as, as, as like flexing a muscle, in a sense. If you want it to be better, you want it to, to do better, you have to actively engage it. You yeah, have to this actively... Yeah, not passive at all. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if, if I want to be able to build a bigger bicep, but I do nothing to do it, I'm not going to build a bigger bicep. The same goes for my mind. If I have anxieties and I don't actively work towards overcoming them in the right way, that is, um, the wrong way is thinking about anxiety will only build more anxiety. But um, if I'm actively working towards overcoming it, I'm flexing that muscle and I can do better about it. For example, I just flew very recently, never even told him about it, and I, overcame, and I did pretty well on the flight myself. A lot of alcohol works too. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but either way, it's again flexing that muscle. I used to be at a 10, now I'm at about a three or four. I will say though, don't feel like when you're flexing this muscle that it's something that again, you're never going to have anxiety about. On a recent flight, we had an emergency landing. Uh, the emergency landing really wasn't all for anything that terrible. But during the, during the intercom session that they said, hey, I know we're supposed to be landing in Washington, D.C., but we're landing in Chicago O'Hare because, because of an emergency, I wasn't thinking positive thoughts at that given moment. And so it took a lot for me to try to overcome. And honestly, it wasn't really till I was on the ground before I really felt, truly felt better. But then I was better about getting back on the plane after that. The point of it is, is that you, you have to actively work it. But here's some things that you can do to kind of change and interrupt and break the pattern in that very moment. And the first thing is changing the physical state, going back to what we talked about, whether it be from the power pose, uh, better communication, something is in, in, in the way that we talk, tonality, language. We had a, a, a podcast talking about verbiage, mm -hmm. um, which I think is, is yet another way to kind of help. Um, I wouldn't necessarily just think about positivity. Positive thinking doesn't always 
results uh, the way you think. Because if you say, well, I was thinking positive, but it still went wrong, sometimes you can go down a wrong route yeah, that, that way. Too. That, I kind of look at that as, as trying to tell somebody to calm down. <laughs> no. Number that one rule work. of marriage, never tell your wife to calm down. <laughs> so, yes. Because you yeah. get the opposite reaction. Been married long enough to know right? that. <laughs> right. There's logical, there's emotional. Yeah. And so we have to get to that emotional side of it. And it's not just, uh, no matter how much I try to, positively talk to myself i will never be a you know seven or eight foot tall basketball player professional no. it ain't gonna happen no. <laughs> nope or good looking <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at any rate so that's that's one thing being able to change change that physical state uh right off the bat there um and some other things that you can do is be able to write down um you know, write down, what did I have? I had it in my notes. See, I lost it this time too now. You ready? I had it. Oh, here we go. Write down uh, things that are a list of things that are like the most important to you, things that you value, things that will help you think in more of a positive way. For example, um, when I had the fear of flying, one of the things that digging deep realizing is that my fear was uh, also coming back to after when I started, ha uh, when I had kids. And that was one of the things that changed me was I became a bit more of an emotional person after having kids, the stupid little things. Um, <laughs> because, because I used to love flying. Flying was a thing that I enjoyed. Um, and, you know, the more turbulent, the better. Whee! Like a roller coaster. Yeah. But, but then it started to change, right? And because well, of that. And, and I see that a lot with a lot of my clients that I work with. You know, when they, were, when they were younger, you know, there's this fearlessness. You know, you put the horse in front of me, I'll ride it. And then all of a sudden, maybe some time goes by. And exactly that, when kids show up, now all of a sudden the story changes inside. Of, and of instead of just, I fall, I get hurt. Now all of a sudden is, I can't work, my family, my, all these kind of things. What if, you know, like this whole scenario plays. And the thing is, this is what to get about that as well. That scenario probably never or has not ever happened to you, but you physically feeling it as if it has. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah that carries on with that conversation. That's exactly it. And, and, and for the most part, most of my clients are people who um, have, have literally got out of horses, maybe were in horses when they were younger, got out of horses because, you know, life, life, right? Children, etc. And when they got out of horses, or, or I'm sorry, when, when children grew up, they could afford it, blah, blah, blah. They get back into horses and over and, and all of a sudden they have this new anxiety or fear and they get it's almost a, a pattern of depression, too, because then they get mad at themselves. Oh, yeah, because they they once never had the fear. Yep. But now they do. And it's it's something that you can, you know, you, you think it's like riding a bike, but it's not. And it's very different. It, 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 it really <laughs> is. You can get your your muscles back to you, but. You can't necessarily always get the mind right away yeah. uh, unless you actively work on it. And that's one of the benefits of working with either one of us is that those are the kind of things that we help to work through. You can do it by yourself, but it's a whole lot easier when you got help. Yeah. A plan, a strategy, and as you work through these different exercises, that's how people end up with the freedom. And that's why you know we continue to do what we do. Yeah. Because there's nothing like somebody who at one time was like, I can't. That all of a sudden now they're free, they're connected, they're joyful, they're back in the saddle again. And again, that's exactly what we do. So there was a question. As we kind of, we're about to round this down. So if you guys have any questions uh, uh, going on live, feel free to, to write in now. Um, but we did have a question that was a little while ago I didn't ask you. Is, uh, it says, when are we going to see Nathan on a horse? <laughs> well, let's see. 
Yeah. <laughs> he he he's camera shy. Like I know you can't see. He, there is a horseback here. <laughs> he just clearly does not want to show up here today. My my riding experience is very very beginner. Yeah. No. Uh, I, like I am nowhere I put, near where this guy I put, is. I put him on a horse and he did good. If now the thing is, I was waiting to see if he was a real if he was truly all there mentally because i thought if he started crying when being up on a horse i'd, I'd have to recommend somebody to help him out no um, instead you get the geek who's like look at me i'm riding a horse <laughs> and so i will say this I, I i may not have those skill sets that scott has when it comes to those things but i've been working with people for the mindsets for years and so I, it, that's the beauty of being able to do what i do but i am finding myself more and more hey scott can we go riding? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And actually, a uh, person who is a, uh, 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 someone that we, we kind of tag team working, working with, Lindsay on here, says, put him on Liberty. Her horse is, her <laughs> horse is here uh, at the moment. And, um, uh, you know, and that's some of the things that we try to do is we, we do try to tag team a bit to try to help because, um, and, and Lindsay, I think, is such a great uh, testimonial um, well, I say that. Hopefully she doesn't write anything bad <laughs> at this point. But she, she's, in a sense, such a great testimonial because one of the things that was a real big struggle to me was she came in, she brought her horse into us, and, um, you know, she, she had anxiety with being on a horse. She also, her horse had anxiety, and it was a, it was a mixture of for disaster. Mm -hmm. And so the moment we put her on for the first time, it continued being, uh, like, it, it went down the rabbit hole really really rapidly and it was one of those things that i'm trying to help someone learn to to be in rhythm with the horse learn to communicate best with the horse while at the same time trying to teach her mind to do exactly what we say not to tell people to calm down <laughs> and so it was like a going back and forth and then i said listen i we can't do both at the same time um we need to we need to do one than the other so nathan helped Lindsay immensely and I'm proud to say that after a few thousand sessions, no, <laughs> it was like one. No, that was only that was only for Lindsay's sake. That was only an insult towards her, not towards you. Um, but no, after a few sessions, uh, and and sessions with me at the same time, it actually um, she, she's really. I'm proud to say her horse. Uh, she rode just last week. Her horse was a bit spooky, a little bit looky at things, and. She handled it really, really well. Yeah. So yeah. I have to give her a lot of credit with that. Um, and so with all that being said, it's definitely, it's two separate things, guys. Work on the mind, flex that muscle, get it together, and, uh, and then work on your horse or work on the communication with that. And recognize, too, you are not alone in this. I get it. It feels like you are, but I want to be absolutely clear. All you got to do is ask for some help. My website, it's, it's uh, confidentequestrian.com. There's information there. If you just want to have a free session, what I mean by that is a, a uh, strategy call, give me a call, right? Like you set up your times on the calendar. There's time, all that stuff there. We call, we have a conversation back and forth. See if I can help you. Uh, same thing with Scott. It's just, it's a way to, look, you're not in it on your own. We've worked with this stuff before. And so there is hope, there is possibility that freedom is available, that connection's there, all of these different things. ConfidentEquestrian.com, uh, book that free strategy call, and we'll chat back and forth and see, see if I can be of assistance. Okay, so right at the end here, we do have one last question. Let's get to it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end it here. 
Okay. Um, okay, trying to read it from afar. Hang on. I don't even uh, have my glasses on. Uh, I can't see nothing. <laughs> guys, make sure you and your horse have both. Make sure you and your horse have both addressed gut imbalance, induced anxiety as well. Anxiety starts in the gut. On a CHC, on a CHC that started riding uh, at 63, I first had to heal my gut and and reveres as well. Um, I'm sorry, I'm struggling just from this distance. There are some excellent therapies available. Also, established a worship. Oh, I looked at I looked at my husband and said uh, in the face and said and said if I fall or break something, it was worth it. Um, that dispels fear faster than anything. So, essentially, have we addressed things like gut imbalances? Now, there's a lot of different. I'll I'll I'll, leave, I'll start this off. You can tell me. We've never actually had a discussion whether on on this. But what I find with, with things is you're absolutely right. It's very similar to horses that get things like ulcers. And we think let's treat the symptom of the ulcers when we don't actually treat what creates the ulcers. And so I think that's something too. You're totally right that, that there are gut imbalances and chemical imbalances in humans. Absolutely. We're not necessarily going down that clinical line with with this conversation yeah, not, not doctors yeah we're not yeah. doctors here but but one of the things with that is understanding that no matter what you you do in chemical imbalance you you need to also think about what starts uh what creates that problem now not that we can necessarily answer that question for you but we can certainly say that um i i always look for the 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 why uh, first, and so if there's a gut imbalance, I want to know why. I may, I personally may not know the answer, but that would be the, the research that I would go after first. Would you have anything different to say than that? Uh, pretty much that. I mean, if it, if it's you know, I would always say check with your physician. You know, check go down that route first. Um, if it's nothing that's physical, well, then it it could be mental. And so if that's the case, then that's again why you work with a coach. That's why you go through a program. That's why you begin to use, utilize these techniques that we're talking about. Um, and again, I can't speak into things that I don't know. Best, best conversation, go to the people that you can. You know, talk to your doctor and see if it is something that's chemical or, or a gut issue. Okay, sorry. I just got to move a little closer. I can't see this bloody thing. Um, I thought this was good. How do you feel about, a, about former advanced riders getting back into riding um, who now they who now they find themselves largely overweight, but still think that they have a good seat and don't feel they would bounce when riding as badly as a novice rider, but afraid to not fit in the saddle or do the horse harm. I, I love. Thank I'll you. Let you thank I'll you. let you start that. Yeah. One. Thank you for that question. I, I actually worked. And with that will client. be our last question, okay. by the way. <laughs> I specifically worked with a rider that that was her fear was her weight. And so she had ridden before in the past and she was one of those ladies who was like, you put the horse in front of me, I'll ride it, I don't care. As of time and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, she found herself overweight. And in that circumstance, she had the picture in her mind that she would get on the horse, go for the ride, and the horse would be bow-backed afterwards, right? Like that's, that's, that's the story that she told herself. Now, 
when you look at her horse, it ain't going to happen. And if you look at the amount of weight she had, it ain't going to happen. And so part of the process with her was one, rebuilding that confidence, but also creating a program for herself that she developed. We worked together on it so that she could start getting that weight loss that she wanted to, the lifestyle changes that she wants to. Again, so many times people think, again, that it's just the fear of getting back in the saddle or the horse or whatever it is. But like Scott was talking about, there are those deeper subconscious levels, those things that are actually there. It's the stories about stories that I help to clean up through the process that we go through for the confident equestrian. Yeah. Now, just as part of the horse side of it, you you always need to um, you always need to make sure that you know when we talk about horse harm, you know making sure that uh, even even myself as a rider being on a little pony, there are certain ones that uh, that I can't do. I think it's about twenty percent of uh, uh, I, I think that's the number if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, about twenty percent. Your weight needs to be about twenty percent of the horse's weight is about all that they can handle. Um, and so that is something that you need to to always make sure for the horse's standpoint, horse's health and well-being, that is something you, you take into account, of course, yeah. even myself. And I know that I'm not overweight, but I do have to take that into account with some of the horses that I ride. Um, and so uh, it is, you know, there are, there are most certainly horses there that you can ride and work with. Right. Um, but just like, you know, going down the mental side, as what Nathan was saying, is very, very important. Um, but There's of course the physical side as well making sure i think you hit the nail on the head that you don't do the horse harm that's how you think of it is, is yeah. making sure you have the right horse uh to help you with that yeah correct do your fact check in this right where is this a reality that i can hurt the horse or is this the story that i'm making up about it right and so once you have that determination you proceed further with that absolutely well with that being said nathan i want to thank you very much we did this as socially distanced as what the camera would allow. We wear a mask, <laughs> we're in an open, big open barn. Um, and so we tried to make this as, uh, uh, bring this to you, bring this information to you as best as possible. Those who are watching live, we may have had a little problem with the camera. Um, so I don't know if we'll get the whole thing on there, but if we're watching YouTube, I wanna thank you guys. And those who are listening on podcasts, uh, hopefully uh, you have enjoyed this. And if you have, please make sure to check the if you're on apple podcast to click the five star review if you have anything less than five stars to leave just don't leave a review at all <laughs> um remember what they say if you have nothing nice to say keep your mouth shut <laughs> with that being said guys i want to thank you so much for listening watching and uh if you have any questions feel free to look up nathan confident and of course advantagehorsemanship.com we will see you guys next time <laughs>